they kind of surprised me with that. I didn't know that that was, uh, that Pastor David was going to do all that, but uh, really appreciative of that. Um, well, let me say welcome to all of our guys at RCMU. We're glad you're with us today. Usually I'm there getting to see them live and in person. Today I'm going to be by video, and so welcome guys. And uh, today uh, we're going to continue on with our freeway series. And the last four weeks we've looked at several things. We've, uh, we've looked at how we need to stop and get aware of what's going on in our life. In fact, slow down enough that we can recognize there are different things going on. A lot of us run 90 to nothing, and so we have a tendency to, to kind of ignore those hurts, those things that are calling out, on a, calling out to us and, and really trying to, to um, speak to us, our past hurts, our past wounds. Then we discover that maybe we need to, as we look at these things, we begin to see patterns in our life, patterns that may be unhealthy, and we need to let God in on those. Last week, Pastor David unpacked the, the whole thing about uh, not playing the blame game, but really owning ownership, owning what is ours and what we need to deal with. And this week, we're going to dig into, uh, we're going to go another step into our freeway series, that not-so-perfect way to freedom, and we're going to talk about forgiveness. But before we get into that, I want to I give us a new perspective on what freedom is. Because most of us see freedom from a point of bondage. In fact, this is the way most people would, would uh, describe freedom. It's, it's when we have the absence of something. In other words, when we get rid of those habits in our life that are unhealthy. Maybe it's drinking or maybe uh, pornography or, or anger or, or bitterness or rage. There's all kinds of different things that, that can affect us. And we think freedom is getting rid of those things, but... Let me give you a new perspective. Freedom, it's not about the absence of something. It's about the presence of someone. Let me say that again. Not about the absence of something, but the presence of someone. I want us to, to look at how when we allow the Lord to come into our life where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. But well, we got to invite him into our life. Invite him into the situations and the things that we're wrestling with. You know, our title of our, our sermon here is Holding On or Moving On. That's a question for us today. I want you to stop and think about that. Am I holding on to my past or am I moving on to my future? You know, uh, all of us have struggled. In fact, when I mentioned, I may have mentioned, you know, forgiveness, and you may be tensing up already and going, man, I, I uh, you know, you're messing with me now. Because there's people that, you know, I'm, I'm still not okay with. They ticked me off. Well, hopefully today, as we invite Jesus into this, we can let him come in and help us walk to a place where we can let go of the things that have been holding us back. I want us to look to John chapter 8. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, we're going to put it on the screen. And it's, it's in the New Testament, the fourth gospel, the gospel of John. And I want us to take a look at a story from Jesus' life where 
there was a woman who was caught. Caught in her cycle of sin. And what happened in that situation? Take a look at it here with me. Reading in verse 1, it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. The crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As soon as he was speaking, as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, they brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and they put her in front of the crowd. Now, let me kind of set this up. It's like he just started church. He just had sat down and started to preach like, like me right now here. And somebody busts through those doors, bringing in a woman, throw her and say, Hey, we caught this woman right in the middle of having an adulterous affair. In the act of adultery. And so here he is with this dilemma. And it goes on and said, Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him by saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. He knew how to take a moment to pause. And they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. He had to stop for just a moment for it to sink in. The one without any sins, that's never sinned, go ahead. And it says, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she answered. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, as we're looking at this, I want us to to step back for a moment, because we're going to look at each of the characters in the story in just a moment. But, but I want us to look with a wide-angle lens for a moment. This is a story of hurt. There are people in the midst of this story who, we, we've got a woman who's been caught in adultery, and we don't know where the guy's at, but he's not there. Because, you know, it usually takes two to tango. Okay? So, he's not there. But, Think about it for a moment. When somebody has an adulterous affair and it's found out, what happens to their family, their friends? You see, it just begins to destroy people's lives. I've had to walk through it a couple times with close friends of mine. Even had to confront one of them and said, bro, you're having, I think you're having an affair on your wife. No, no, man. And the kind of betrayal and kind of hurt that it caused my heart. The kind of wounds that it caused a bunch of people. Maybe you can identify with those, those wounds. Maybe you can identify with that hurt. If I sit down and talk to most of you, I'm sure you've got a story that you could tell of the pain and the hurt in your life. Well, I want you to know there's freedom from that. I want to give you an illustration for just a moment that will help you understand how to get past that. You see, a lot of times when we get hurt, 
this is my bowling ball and chain. Okay. But don't boom. Okay. Uh, and, and I want to use this to represent our hurt and our pain. And so, a lot of times we get hurt, and that hurt comes in, and because we don't know how to deal with it, because we don't know how to, to get rid of it, it's like this ball and chain. It stays with us. A lot of people have been hurt and, and their pain limits them. They can only go so far in their life. It, it has become a limiter of where they can go. Let me ask you a few questions. Are you stuck? Are you stuck with your, with your hurt? Are you stuck with your pain? A lot of us don't know how to move on. You go, but Pastor Norm, you don't understand how much I've gone through. And so we get stuck. Now, there are a few of us that go, well, you know, if I've got to deal with it, I'll just deal with it. And, and so they lead with their pain. They lead with their hurt. And they go, hey, I'm a hurt person. Or I'm abused. I've been, this, I've been mistreated. Sometimes they're still leading with it 10, 15, 20 years after. Because it's defining who they are. I used to lead with my pain when I was an older teenager and into my early 20s. I'd go, yeah, but, but uh, you know, my mom passed when I was 15. I lost my mom at an early age. I led with my pain. Now, some people, <laughs> they, they've got a great idea. They go, I know. It's not. You know, kind of do the song and dance. Don't look behind the curtain. It's not there. I'm not hurt. I don't have pain in my life. And so we do the dance. And we, 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 uh, we ignore our pain. Or we try to hide our pain. Guess what? Everybody knows it's there. Just FYI. Because it doesn't, just covering it up... And just, uh, you know, ignoring it doesn't change it. It's still there. Then there are the people that are very industrious. And what they do is, they go, <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, I got, okay, change shoulders here. All right. They learn how to cope with their pain. I'm going to carry it with me. It's going to be okay. Uh, I'm just going to, and they try to run on in life, but their pain keeps tripping them up until all of a sudden it gets the best of you. Are you coping with your hurt? Are you just dealing with it? Maybe you go, man, I just... I was this way. I just go, I just got to suck it up and deal with it. Come on. I can, and just kept going back to it. <sighs> Trying to take care of it. But I kept repeating the same things over and over 
and over again. Anybody identify? You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe you do identify and the hurt's still there. The pain's still there. You don't know how to move past it. If people could see your physical hurt, they would go, man, why are you carrying all that? But they can't. You know, David introduced to us last week, he said, you know, we got to get to a point, we've got to quit playing the blame game and blaming other people for our pain, our pain and we've got to own it. And so tonight, I know that, that there's some of you go, man, if this is, if you're going to tell me how to do this and it's going to be really easy and I'm going to be able to say a prayer tonight and walk out pain free, I'm in on it. Guess what? You didn't get to the place that you're at now overnight and it's going to take some time for healing now look the the lie that time heals all 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 wounds it's not true the only way time heals wounds is jesus in the is in the midst of that healing that wound okay so let's take a look at the different characters in the story and i want us to see how jesus steps into the story and he interacts with these folks and how he brings change into their life because there's hurting people here. The very first one is the woman. Now, a lot of us like to identify with them because we go, yeah, I've been the victim, man. That's me. Okay? We know how to identify with her. But we got to understand that she was caught in the act of adultery. It was actually going on. Now, we don't know the pain behind that. We don't know what caused her to re look in, into the arms of another man to try to find solace to heal, to her, help her pain. A lot of the issues that we're dealing with today is simply people trying to cope with the pain that's in their life. This woman was like that. She was trying to do that, and even though she was caught in her cycle of sin, when Jesus responded to her, he did something. He stood in the gap for her. Look at this from verse 7. It says, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. You see, he challenged the crowd, and he said, hey, if you don't have any sin, go ahead, condemn her. Go ahead, sentence her to death. Stoner. But Jesus really stood in the gap with that sinners. He knew that just a little time later he was going to go and he was going to hang on a cross for her. He was going to pay for that sin. And this is what Jesus did. He extended to her restoration and forgiveness. Look at what he said. And then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she said, No, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. When we all like Jesus to forgive us and give us grace, we all in, enjoy that when we screw up and we mess up. But even in the midst of this, Jesus will forgive you even when you're rebelling and you're doing it on purpose. That's how much his love is. But when he extends forgiveness to her, there's still somebody she needs to forgive. You know who it is? It's the hardest person for a lot of people. Herself. You know, I spoke to a man last, last Saturday night, actually, that came up. He goes, man, I'm struggling 
with forgiving myself. I'm struggling dealing with this. And I, I, I can't seem to for, for let myself go, let it go because it just hangs around me. It's this ball and chain. It's hanging around. You see, Jesus has already undone the chain, but so many of us pick it up. I've got to do more penance. God, that really wasn't enough. You know, I've got to really pay for my sin. Now, how sane does that sound? Okay? But that's the way we say, well, you know, I've got to punish myself. I've got to hold myself more. Look, when Jesus has said, if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, he means it. You can let go of your hurt. You can let go of your sin. But this is what we do. We have a tendency to put ourselves in the place of God and say, God, I know you forgave me, but you know, I just can't really forgive myself. I can't, I can't let it go. I've got to pay for it over and over again. And that's where I find so many people, they come and they go, yeah, I know, I, I prayed and asked God to forgive me, but I, I can't let, let it go. They keep dragging around their pain. Jesus wants you to forgive yourself. There is nothing more that you can pay. Nothing that you can do to pay for your sin. More than what Jesus did when he died on the cross for you. Not one cent more. Let's look at the second group. The teachers and religious, the, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. Now, when I read that story, some of you kind of, the hairs on the back of your neck bristled up and you go, mm-hmm, that's just like those church people. You know, they always condemning people. Yeah, you know. And they're hurt. Folks, let me just say this. I'm so sorry the way church people act sometimes. We don't always model who God really is. But there's people that get angry. And they, they take what, what people have done and they reflect it onto God and they go, God, you, you're not taking care of me. I'm mad at you. And they get angry with God because it's like, God, why don't you bail me out of this situation? We've got to get to a place where we stop blaming God and our circumstances for things that have happened in our life. We've got to get to that place to where we let those things go and we truly get freedom. Guys, I understand. I understand getting angry with God. There's folks that come to church, they get saved, and, 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 and they, they expect God's going to bail me out of everything. He's going to bail me out of everything. And so the first time something hits... The, what do we do naturally? God, why? why what, what's up? Why didn't you help me? It's the best propaganda program on the planet. The enemy hits you hard and then he turns around and points to God. But the scripture is really clear that the enemy of our soul, the devil, he comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his plan. That's his purpose. And yet what he tries to do is he tries to get a wedge in there so that we put a wall up or close the door on the very one, the only one 
who can set us free. That is the enemy's plan. Now, God hasn't done anything wrong. But you know what? There's times that we need to forgive God. I can speak to this because I mentioned my mom passed away, 15. And we're going to church. We're serving him. I'm involved in, in ministry. My dad's involved in ministry. My mom's helping. We're all involved in church. And, and, and we're serving God. And, and she had got contracted cancer. They went in and did surgery. We thought we got it all. And, you know, a, a year later, they find a little nodule on her collarbone. And they go in and take a biopsy. And it's malignant. And four months later, she's dead. And we prayed and we asked. And, and, you know, I had those same questions. God, why? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. That was my ball and chain for a long time. I was even, I was, I was angry with God. And God, why? I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. But God's big enough to feel our hurt, feel our pain. And if we'll just go to him and say, God, I, I, don't, I know you hadn't done anything wrong, but I, I choose to forgive you because I can tell you this, that you have a loving father who cares about you more than you can even imagine. In fact, the scripture, it says, if we as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more does our heavenly father know how to take care of his children? How much more does he know? And you know what? We can't bail our kids out of everything. And God doesn't bail us out of everything. He's there loving us and walking through us through it. Now, there's the last group, the crowd. You see, the religious leaders had stirred up such a frenzy, and, and the crowd gathered around, and a lot of them picked up rocks to go along with the crowd. And, and, and they were ready. Man, they were like, man, we're going to take care of this. And there may have even been people in the crowd who were who were justified in their anger. Maybe there was a, a family member of one of the ones betrayed in the adultery. There may have been different ones like that who were wounded and hurt by the adultery that had taken place. And yet, they had come and they were ready to, to mete out justice. They were going to condemn her. They were going to throw that. And Jesus steps in. And here's what he's so good at doing. When they came to him and said, what about this woman? What should we do with her? He stoops down and he writes in the sand. A lot of, a lot of different uh, teachers and, and uh, theologians that wonder what he wrote. Some people think he wrote the Ten Commandments. Other people think he sit there and he wrote the sins of all the people standing around. But then he stood up and he said, he, he spoke truth. He said, if anyone who hasn't sinned, go ahead. Cast that first stone. Cast it. You have, you have the right. Go ahead. But there was no one there that could do it. There may have been so many people who have hurt you that you feel justified in your Desire for, for judgment, for, for you, the bitterness that you have, the anger that you have. You may feel that. But Jesus needs to bring truth to bring a reality check. 
so that we stop and think. And when those guys thought, they, we dropped their stones and we walked away. You see, Jesus is calling all of us to walk in forgiveness. He taught it, and we all know the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. A few verses down from that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, it says, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. We've got to let go of all the anger, the rage, the justice. You go, yeah, but you don't know what my mom did to me. You don't know what my dad did to me. You don't know what my ex did to me. You, you don't know what my boss did to me. There's so many different excuses that we have. But, but as long as we're holding on to this, we're not going to have freedom. As long as the chains are holding us back, the only way to get free is to forgive. The only way to get free. Realize this. You, 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 you may be wrestling with, go, Pastor Norm, I've tried. I've tried, I've tried and tried and tried to, to forgive. It just doesn't feel right. I have so many people that come to my office when, when I do counseling with them and, and they say, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't feel it. So I, I, how can I forgive? God has given you the ability to choose forgiveness. Realize this, that forgiveness begins with an act, but it is made complete through a process. A lot of times we think we can pray one time and it's like everything's going to be, you know, okay. Uh-uh. I can tell you this, my fourth grade teacher, I walked out forgiveness for quite a long time with her. I was in Bible college when I finally got free. That's a long time. But can I walk you through a simple process of how to truly walk out forgiveness? Here's the first one. Ask. Ask. Ask Jesus to come in and help you forgive. If there's anyone who knows forgiveness, it's Jesus. Now, my wife, uh, she went to Auburn University, okay? And she went to, with, to school with Bo Jackson, and we, they had that big, you know, commercial, Bo knows this and Bo knows that. Well, guess what? Jesus knows forgiveness because there was no one else that hung on a cross and looked down and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus knows forgiveness. And if there's anybody that can help you, Walk out forgiveness is him. You go, well, that's a no-brainer. But you'd be, you'd be surprised how many people haven't even asked Jesus to help them forgive. The second thing is choose. Remember, it continue, you continue on with the power of God when you align yourself with God's will. It's the power that God has given every single one of us. It's the power to choose. Now, let me help you understand this. In your soul, you have your mind your will, and your emotions. Your mind, two plus two is four, right? <laughs> your will, you like chocolate or vanilla. So your ability to choose. And your emotions, happy, sad, 
kind of goes like this a lot of times, right? A lot of people are trying to forgive with their emotions. And yet, true freedom starts with the will. I choose. Married couples, you understand this. When you wake up to that beautiful bride that has the morning hair and the breath that will take your, your skin off, you have to choose to walk in forgiveness. My wife gave me an okay on that. So, <laughs> You have to choose. And so just like that, we choose to walk in forgiveness with someone. Choice comes before feelings. Choice comes before feelings. You're only going to... Begin to feel forgiveness when you choose to forgive. I teach the, the, a simple thing. and it's, it's, There's nothing magical in this statement, but it's just the process. When I'm teaching someone walking through forgiveness with someone, I, I teach them, I choose to forgive, and we put the person's name in, for the hurt that they have caused me, and I have them list out the hurt that, that has been caused. I, we talk about the results of that that hurt and we choose to walk in forgiveness with them now if you're going to do that you've got to put your will in alignment with God's will we already know it's God's will because in his word he says if you forgive I'll forgive if you don't I won't now the the next one don't rehearse release this is one that we I think all of us struggle with at times that person who has hurt us we see them, and all of a sudden we go in, we start rehearsing it. Man, I can't re remember. I can't wait to see them. I am going to tell them. And it's like a kid picking at a, a wound that's, that's starting to scab over. You just keep picking at it, and you're bleeding again. You're hurting again, and you're struggling again. If we rehearse the pain over and over, here's what happens. It goes deeper. It gets infected. It causes us more pain. Quit rehearsing the hurt and release it. Let it go. Don't rehearse it. Walk it out. This is where the rubber meets the road. Every single day, if you will continue to make a choice to forgive, Lord, I choose to forgive that person. I release them. I don't hold any, uh, any remembrance of what they did to me wrong. I don't, I don't hold them accountable for anything. You, in other words, release them completely. When you begin to walk that out, you'll begin to experience freedom. This is the way I, I sum it up for, for folks that are looking for true freedom. When you can remember the memory of what happened to you, of the hurt that's happened to you, and there is no emotion attached to that memory, or when you think of that person, you don't all of a sudden go, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's when you've walked out the process of forgiveness. That's true freedom. And the last one is this. Make amends. There are times you need to go and, and ask for forgiveness. This is one thing. This is a principle that comes from uh, our, our ministry, Celebrate Recovery. It's a part of our group's process. We have a group called Celebrate Recovery. On Friday nights, meets here. We have over 100 adults, and we have teens and uh, teens classes and kids' classes that teach all of these principles about walking out forgiveness and releasing. And if you, here's, here's the process of amends. You make amends whenever possible, except when to do so would harm that other person. 
There's sometimes that even though they've done something wrong to you, you need to go and ask them and say, would you please forgive me? I've been holding unforgiveness towards you. And it's the thing that unlocks their heart and yours. Are you willing to take the steps to truly be free? Are you going to continue to carry your hurt? I challenge you to walk out freedom. Right now, we're going to take a a look at a a video of of Fountain Springer here and their story of how God has worked forgiveness in their life. Take a look. My family moved um, out of town right after I graduated high school, so it was really easy to make the excuse to stop going to church. So um, about then, I had also started dating this boy. He was pretty much just bad news all the way around. I was far more invested, but he always knew what to say to get me back. We were still together in my mind, but I knew things weren't right. Uh, He met this girl, and um, I figured she'd be gone before too long, so it wouldn't matter. He was moving uh, for work. And then when he did move, I actually did say, you know, I think it's best if we split up for right now with you being gone and, you know, I'm young still and we'll just see what happens after you get this work experience. And a few months later, I found out she was pregnant and um, something should have triggered in my mind to walk away, but it didn't. He finally moved back when she was about to have the baby and she had the baby. He'd still occasionally hang out with me. They got married. He'd still call me. And I should have said no. I end up meeting someone new. It was about 2004 when I met my husband. We get married, have future plans. And uh, things were good, but they weren't ideal. He was a bartender um, and also an alcoholic. And that doesn't go well together. He got in trouble and went to treatment. And basically the next year was just a battle for to stay stay sober. And to, um, it was more of a fight for him. And to still continue to work that job just boggled my mind. At one point I said, it's either the bar or me. And um, I asked him to move out and think about it. And a couple months later, I said, are you ready to move back? And he said, why? So it can be the same as it's always been. And so I knew it was falling apart. About that same time, it's a small town. You hear rumors. um, And we know a lot of the same people. um, And I hear that this girl from my past who kind of took my boyfriend and... Um, who I had a very unfriendly relationship with was now hanging out with my husband. You know, I felt a prompting from God to start going back to church. I needed that relationship, but I still wasn't ready to make that commitment. I was slowly coming back to him, and he was preparing me for when I would need him. And that's when I really started working on forgiveness. Um, I did not want to have enemies. I didn't want to hate. I didn't want to be caught up, and I didn't want to get stuck by it. I 
started praying and little by little, it was starting to feel better. It was starting to hurt less. I think a lot of the reason it bothered me for as long as it did is because I knew I'd hurt her too. It wasn't just her hurting me, she, I hurt her as well. I, I didn't want to see her at church, I really didn't, but at the same time, I did because I, I had this feeling that even though there were times I wanted to punch her in the face or shake her, I really loved her. I, I could see her hurt and I wanted to help her. At some point there was forgiveness. I can't tell you exactly when it was, but I forgave her and I forgave myself for what I did. But I always knew that if there was ever an opportunity, I felt like God said, you have to speak it to her. I think it was right after the beginning, the first service, uh, she must have been a greeter somewhere, and she was walking down the hall and I was at the info booth and she was standing there just talking and God's like, I sent her this way so you would talk to her because you both need this. So I walked over to her and I said, can I talk to you for a second? We went around the corner and I just said, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry for everything that's happened in the past. I want everything between us to be restored. We weren't friends before, but I feel like we can be friends now and at least not hate each other. She looked at me and she's like, oh my gosh, I've wanted to talk to you so many times that I don't know what to say. And it just seemed awkward when I'd see you at church. The more I thought about it, I was like, he worked on both our hearts at the same time, and we didn't know it. That, to me, is just amazing in itself. Over the past few years, like, my perception of God has just changed greatly. He will always meet you where you are. And all you have to do is ask, and he's there. And you remember those moments that you felt him so strongly, and you knew that he was fighting for you and that he just can do unimaginable things. He can heal and restore and um, just bring things, bring good things for his purpose.